to Mining Stock Daily. I'm Kylie Williams, and today I'm joined by Chris Penipede, President and CEO of Cantera Minerals. Welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Thanks, Kylie. It's great to be back on the podcast. Now, Cantera have been part of the exciting gold staking rush in central Newfoundland that's been happening over the last five years or so. And I've noticed that your Wilding Gold project is very close to Marathon Gold's Valentine project, which is shaping up to be an over 5 million ounce deposit. Let's sink our teeth into the geology first. What is it about that package of rocks that stretches across Newfoundland? And where does your property fit in? Yeah, thanks, Kylie. That's it's a great question, and and I think it it speaks to you know why everyone's been staking in in this belt that crisscrosses central Newfoundland. Um, and so yeah, let's step back and and take a look at why it's sort of the newest emerging gold belt uh, in Canada. Uh, so this central part of Newfoundland, which which stretches from the southwest to the northeast, um, bisecting the central part of the island, uh, really represents a crustal scale fault zone. Uh, and so it, it trends from southwest to northeast. And, and what we're sort of learning, I guess, as geologists as a whole, or as explorers as a whole, uh, is that there, there seems to be quite a bit of gold endowment uh, along this crustal scale fault zone. And so the comparisons are now being made to, to the orogenic greenstone belts of the world. So Red Lake, Abitibi, the Beremian, um, other ones elsewhere around the world. Uh, and, and people are realizing, I think, that there's there's the same structural architecture um, between what we see here in central Newfoundland and what we see in the Abitibi. It's just a different in geological age. So, you know, in, in, in the Abitibi and, and Red Lake, you're, you're in the Archean, so billions of years, whereas here on the island, you're, you're much younger in, in geological age. And so this, this structural scale fault zone is marked by a, a marker unit, which is the Rogerson Lake conglomerate. Um, and, and this is a, a commonality in all orogenic, uh, orogenic gold systems um, or greenstone settings where you have these synorogenic conglomerates um, that sort of represent the, the last phase of, of orogeny. And what's critical to understand or, uh, in all these belts in, in the rest of the world in the Archean is that the gold deposits always occur sort of 90% of them occur within a kilometer uh, on either side of that, that conglomerate that represents the crustal scale fault zone or, or unconformity. I think what you're seeing now in, in central Newfoundland from the geological point of view is People have identified that unit. They're exploring around it. And in the case of uh, Matador's Cape Ray, they've discovered, you know, a million ounces down in the most southwest portion of it. You move to the central part and, and you have true precious metals and their golden rose discovery in, in the same structural setting. Uh, and then right next door to that, you have Valentine Lake. And, and as you said, they're five million ounces, um, all right up against that, that primary, you know, crustal scale fault. And then you have our project, which is directly directly northeast of, of Marathon's Valentine Lake. Uh, and we're, we're at like the discovery phase. So we have gold zones, um, not yet to the point of deposits, um, but you're definitely seeing significant gold endowment in a, in a typical orogenic setting um, that looks like it has the same structural architecture, as some of the world-class um, gold Archean greenstone belts. So it's an exciting place to be. And, and so from a geological perspective, the, the structural geology and, and, and the host units are, are the same more or less across the belt. Uh, and so it's a great starting point for us at Cantera uh, and, and to have a piece of that belt over 50 kilometers of it in which to explore from. 
absolutely. It's quite quite the neighbourhood. So let's zoom in on your wilding property. You have five uh, target areas, as I understand, and you announced some new results today from some soil samples that were collected uh, by a previous explorer on the property. Can you tell us about the targets that you've identified and the methods that you're using to find them? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when we acquired this project in in you know the end of 2020 and and it went public into 2021, um, we we inherited uh, you know five target areas as you mentioned, um, all continuous with the same geology and structural setting as our neighbors of Valentine Lake. But what we what we were able to do here is is come into the project, look at that data, and then we also found that there's as you mentioned soil samples and some other. Um, samples that were collected that have been sitting in a warehouse since 2017. And, and of course, as you know, 2017 was a tough year for gold explorers and uh, it, it was hard to finance, hard to do work. Uh, and, and so the previous operators of this project um, more or less had the, the samples just sitting there because they didn't want to pay for them to be analyzed or, or whatever the reasons. Uh, so we were able to submit those straight away. And, and as we were able to report today, um, get, get a lot of joy from those. In, in terms of gold in, in soils. So um, if, if we take a step back to how the project was discovered in 2015, 2016, it was really through uh, forestry work. So, you know, forestry companies got some clear, clear cutting blocks that they were awarded. They pushed forestry roads into this region. Uh, and, and despite it being right next to 5 million ounces, or, or at that time, you know, I think it was 2 million ounces in Valentine Lake, uh, it hadn't really been explored at all for gold. Uh, and so it was really these forestry roads that came in and 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 because the area is all under cover, they, they uncovered some, some quartz vein boulders and prospectors came in, sampled those, noted that they looked um, just like the orogenic style veins you see at our neighbors. Uh, and they, the first samples came back up to 70 grams per ton. So they're obviously quite high grade and the area was staked. Uh, and so then you sort of had the gamut of usual early stage exploration, soil sampling, trenching, drilling uh, that a previous operator did, which were all incredibly successful. And, and that's really how we got we got to the five target areas we see today. Uh, you can further break those targets out into three different types. One's hosted within that Rogerson Lake conglomerate. That's a marker unit for for uh, this this entire belt, uh, and then the others in um, in volcanics on the south side of the main structure that runs through the region. And then the third is in is in the Valentine Lake Intrusion, which is, of course, where Marathon uh, has all of their deposits hosted in. Uh, so really, any time you can come into a project and have that many gold occurrences or, or golden drilling um, this early on in, in sort of the life, the life cycle of an exploration project, that's a great sign. It, it, it points towards a lot of gold endowment. And certainly the soil samples uh, we got back today proves that, you know, the, that these target Areas are, are perhaps bigger than than we thought, and and uh, and with the positive golden soil today, that uh, you know we have a lot more to drill at this summer, which is which is great for us. Absolutely. Um, and so, was there some previous drilling that has been done, or was it just the sampling, uh, soil sampling and trenching? 
Yeah, so the previous operator in 2017 drilled 30 holes. Um, they were short holes, so it was only 2,600 meters, but they were the first holes ever put into the project, which in Canadian terms, that's pretty remarkable. I, I've worked all over the high Arctic and middle of nowhere, Alaska, Yukon, and and you'll always find people have been over, the, over ground that you've been over since the 50s and 60s, but literally nothing had been done here really until 2015 on, on the back of that, that forestry work. So... Um, the previous operator came in, drilled those holes, hit in three different zones, uh, and hit hit gold in pretty much all of their holes. Uh, and that's a phenomenal hit rate for, I mean, normally when you come into a, a project that's never been drilled, you you typically drill dusters, <laughs> i.e. you get no gold at all. Uh, so uh, it was it was definitely a very positive sign that uh, there's there's probably a substantial gold system somewhere on this project. And so you had a winter drill program uh, and you're heading in to a summer drill program. How, how, did the drill, how did the drilling go in winter and what's the plan for summer? Yeah, great question. So it was really important to me to, to get a quick start uh, on the back of closing the transaction and going public. Uh, so we set out permitting, which in Newfoundland is great. It's very fast, faster than anywhere else in Canada. And we were able to get drilling um, before the, the spring window where you, you typically shouldn't drill because it gets a bit too mucky with the snow melting out. Uh, so we drilled for just over three weeks and, and we're able to drill 2,300 meters and 17 holes uh, focused on two areas. Um, and, and those are the existing areas that had been drilled or, or two of them anyway, two of the three. Uh, and really, we just wanted to, to not kill the project straight away. So we were stepping out um, from the discovery holes and, and trying to expand those zones and, and to make sure that, that you know, the gold is, is continuous and, and we have something to build on. Uh, so that was really the focus for winter. And it went really well. You know, the production was fantastic. The team was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the first results uh, proved that we were able to expand gold mineralization at least 50 meters and then broadly over over 700 meters we hit gold in every single hole all but one uh, which is a great sign so uh, we can now take that data and and results still to come from winter drilling uh, and use it towards our summer program here and so the summer drill program will start in probably mid-June uh, and we're going to break it up into uh, a June phase and then a, a later summer slash early fall phase. And that's really to give uh, all the surface work time to get results back. So we're going to be soil sampling, we're going to be top of bedrock sampling, prospecting, mapping, um, the usual gamut of work to try to generate new targets uh, because there's large parts of the project that still haven't seen any work uh, and, and those parts of the project still contain that that critical um, structural setting that seems to host all the gold deposits uh, on the island. Uh, so, you know, we'll focus on that and, and we'll come with the drill early early in summer to, to follow up on everything we hit in winter and, and some of the targets we didn't get to in winter. Uh, and then towards the end of summer, once we have the surface uh, work back, uh, we'll look to hopefully drill some brand new targets. Awesome. So my question is, uh, with so much activity in that part of Newfoundland, is it difficult uh, to secure drill contractors uh, and other services and supplies? Uh, it must be a bit of competition. 
Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, uh, because of because of COVID and just the sheer amount of exploration activity, I would say the island's actually probably the hottest jurisdiction for exploration activity uh, right now when you combine surface work and, and just drill meterages from all the companies. Uh, it's incredibly competitive and, and it's not so much a, like there's not enough rigs, there's not enough people um, because usually, you know, you'd be able to bring people over from Quebec, which is obviously close by or, or up from Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Um, but COVID's complicated that. And, and so the island's keeping, as, you know, as they should, they've done a great job keeping bringing in rotational workers to a minimum um, to try to keep things under control. Uh, we were fortunate, uh, you know, we have a, we have a team that, that helped make the initial successes or discoveries on the project that live like within an hour from it. Uh, so, so I was able to secure them and, and they were eager to work on the project again. Um, since there hadn't been any work in, in, a, in a few years there. Uh, and and then I was just lucky with with tying up a rig for winter as not a lot of other groups were winter drilling. And, and that's allowed me to sort of keep keeping in good uh, terms with the drill contractors for summer. Um, but it's definitely competitive. And, it, you know, we're, we're working together. I think uh, the smaller exploration companies that don't have like 200,000 plus meter programs like Newfound Gold does uh, in, in trying to share rigs. So, you know, we know we need it for approximately a month in month or two month stints. And so we work with other other exploration companies around us who probably need it for a month here and there. And so we can, you know, give one contractor a full summer of work, but just between different projects. That's, that's a great idea. So uh, let's talk finance. We'll finish off with some finance talk. Um, you went public in January and you have a really aggressive uh, drill program for the, for the size of the, the company. How are you financing this upcoming drill program and what's happening on the financing front for Cantera this year? Yeah, it's, it's a good question and, and one that investors always need to think about. Uh, so as part of as part of closing the deal and going public uh, or, or taking this suite of assets public, uh, we, we raised $3.9 million Canadian. Um, 2.7 million of that was flow through. Uh, so that's to be spent on the project in, in this calendar year, 2021. And so that really gives us the bandwidth to to do everything we've set out to do. So uh, it gets us, you know, just over 6,000 meters of drilling, maybe a bit more, depending on how the summer costs uh, work out uh, and, and, and fully supports all of our surface program, uh, at least on the main wilding block. Um, we don't have enough funds to do like a huge effort on, on the earlier stage block, the Noel Paul block to the northeast. Um, but you know, it's not at the point where, where we could say definitively where we want to drill there yet. Uh, so, you know, we'll focus on earlier stage sort of generative work on that block. Uh, and then, you know, if, if we need to, and if something comes out of that significant, then, you know, we'll, we'll look to to raise to support that sometime in the future. But for now, you know, we're, we're covered for 2021 in, in everything um, that, that we have planned and, and everything that makes sense to do at this, at this stage of the exploration cycle. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're set and not, we're in a good position where we don't have to raise. Fantastic. So it sounds like all the pieces are coming together. The the forestry companies have come in and, and cleared some space for you to explore and you've got uh, drillers secured in a very busy, busy market um, and you've got some funding. So uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again towards the end of summer, maybe into, into fall, hear how it's all going um, and best of luck for 2021. 
Yeah, thank, thank you very much. And uh, looking forward to, to coming back on the podcast and uh, hopefully with some, some great drill results in hand from the summer. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.